and during the Schroeder, would you hush? Good Lord, son. Sorry. He told you to shut the fuck up. Don't backtalk him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, enough. That's good. <laughs> no, no problem. Son of a bitch. We can, we, can, we can power through if you want to, or I don't know. Your call. Tuff disappeared. We'll see if he keeps this in. Welcome to our Florida Gator subreddit podcast. This is Tofrey Gator. That is Zlatan Diego. And we are joined for a big, juicy, jam-packed show today by Dr. Marty Lawrence. Gentlemen, how are you today? I'm great. How you doing? Good. Doing good. Yeah. We were just discussing um, uh, SEC coaches belly button lint. Um, this is the season where you discuss that sort of thing. I feel like Sam Pittman, I feel like he's got some good lint production. Dude, no joke. That was the first person who came to mind. Like he's got to be, he, he's got to be in that tier one. Him, basically any Arkansas coach is, is always going to be up there. It's just that program. Yeah. You get, is it the kind of thing where you think, you think he produces more or do you think he cleans it out less? Both. Or combination. Yeah. 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 A little bit of everything. Both. That's where Arkansas steps in, right? Covering both bases. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Some some might be wondering how we got to this subject, but if you know us at all, then you wouldn't be wondering that. No, certainly not. Uh, we do actually have some some meaningful stuff to talk about today. Um, I think we're going to start with the big college football news. That uh, well, there there are several pieces of big college football news, but the one that kind of affects everybody is the twelve team playoff. Uh, that has been proposed, floated. I don't think there's anything official. I think it's something they're meeting about today, actually, when we're recording on Tuesday, the 22nd. What, what are the, what, what are you guys' thoughts on the 12 team playoff? Good thing, bad thing, too many teams, not enough teams. I like it. I think it'll be, I think it'll be exciting. It's nice to change it up. Um, I think it's, was inevitable and, yeah, I, I I like the buy for for the first four teams, you know, that have done well. I think that's a good idea um, to keep the season meaningful. That'll be huge. So, yeah, I like it. It's it's weird. It's one of those things where I've always always been against it because I thought that it would hurt us more than anything adding a playoff, like a, the longer playoff. We already play just one of the toughest natural schedules in the country. Just our annual schedule. It's about as hard as it gets. You don't find many P5 teams that have the level of uh, money that we have to play each and every year. But just like with how things are trending now with, with uh, I mean, there's already a playoff, but with everybody scheduling tougher out of conference, including us, I'm a little more okay with it, I, I guess. Like now, now I feel like we could actually stand a chance in it because we could, we could lose a few games and still be there. It's not like... Um, you know, like Oklahoma or Clemson, who have just the free ride all the way to the playoff. Um, they'll, they'll, they're adding some out of conference too that are tough. It, it's, it's a thing where I've completely flipped. I'm actually a little more excited about it now than I was before. Uh, with the ultimate goal being, uh, I want whatever helps us the most. Sure, 
that's better than yeah. the quality of product to me. Uh, I don't care <laughs> if it makes the product worse. I want the Gators <laughs> to win it. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm here for. Uh, I, I mean, I'm excited about it. I think it it's a necessary um, expansion. It, Like Marty said, it was inevitable. As soon as they got a taste of what the money was going to be like with a four-team playoff, it was going to be uh, an expansion situation. But I, I think that 12 is too many. Uh, I would have liked to see eight, personally. I think eight is probably... You're not leaving out anyone who has any reasonable chance or any reasonable claim as the best team in the country. Um, and I don't know. I think that having a first round bye is just going to make it so that those teams at in the top four every year, and there's, you know, whatever, six or eight teams that are competing for that top four most years. It's just going to make it not necessarily easier, but it's going to allow them to reinforce their their position at the the very top of the sport, and it's going to be very difficult for a team outside of that top four without a buy to run the table. If that is the way that this system ends up being implemented, which it's still not entirely certain that that's how it's going to look like. And that kind of hits on what I was talking about earlier too, like Oklahoma and Clemson. If they have one of their uh, typical easy years where the rest of the conference is complete ass then yeah, they got the free shot all the way to the, you know, they get the automatic buy based on that because, you know, they're just not playing anybody on the way there. So that's, I guess that's a downside, but anything to, um, to get us a chance. And I do feel like the more I'm watching this, uh, I feel like this gives us a better shot at making it. It's, it's really, really damn tough to get uh, two SEC teams into the playoffs with four teams. It's just, it's just hard as hell. And um, with how Bama's been, it's it's just hard. I, we don't we're not in a great position to to do that. I think we can make it a lot more this way. I do think you know. I think we're going to end up seeing more seeing more wackiness in the playoff than you know you initially might think. Like I was talking to uh, a guy named Eric Hess who's on Twitter at Arbitrary Analytics about this, and you know Bill Connolly did this article where. It was okay. What's the lowest percentile S and P plus team to uh, to win a championship? And it kind of showed, like, you know, there's not that many championship caliber teams if you if you look at it that way. Um, you know, there's only you know four to six a year. Um, but I, I think the interesting question is, right? You know, to just to get in the title game, you have to have pretty high S and P. You know, anyway. So that that's probably a, a circular some circular reasoning. So we we looked at it and. It was what's the worst S and P plus team to beat the number one S and P plus team, and you know it's it's number seventy eight. So it's a pretty bad Stanford team in two thousand seven that beats an extremely good USC team. So it's not as as open and shut as like you might initially think, or that article might make it look. Um, I think we're gonna see upsets in the playoffs, and I think it'll be fun and. With how it is now where so many games don't mean anything at the end of the season, I'm excited for more meaningful games uh, at the end of the season. Um, so we'll see. I also think, you know, it could end up helping us, you know, if you're that one loss SEC East team and, you know, you lost to Georgia, all of a sudden you're in the playoff um, and you get another shot at it and, and crazy stuff happens in college football. 
I think uh, this will kick up rivalry rivalry week. That's a tough damn word to say. Uh, this will kick up rivalry week a good bit too. A lot of those kind of fall off at the end and it turns into only one or two games that matter, like you mentioned. So this will, um, it'll have a lot more, I think, riding on the line. If, I mean, shit, it's going to be multiple playoff games leading to the playoffs. You're going to have that rivalry week at the end followed by conference championship games, which are going to be, some of those will be playoff play-ins and then, you know, the three or four playoff games afterwards, or rounds of it. Yeah, for sure. Should be interesting. Yeah. Also, it should be noted that rivalry week has consistently tripped up. You and I, for sure, I feel like multiple guests as well. That is such a tough phrase. To it's a really, you know, I think it's just a really hard word to say rivalry. Yeah. Um, honestly, we should probably get rid of it and switch it out. But, you know, I guess it's a little locked in. Indeed. Um, okay, so have we covered this? Satisfactorily? I think that, um, I, I think that here? This, this would be the year to implement the playoff for us where we could really benefit. And I'm kind of ticked off that they're talking about 2026 now for that. Yeah. Um, it is weird that they aren't like, because this is going to be a cash cow. Like they're going to, this is going to kick in some money. Usually they, they're pretty quick to act on stuff like that. I know they have bulk contracts, but how much can those be to get out of really compared to what the TV revenue is going to be? It's just, I think that pays for itself right away. Yeah. I mean, I'm no lawyer, but right. Well, I mean, well, okay. Yeah. never mind. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay, uh, so we brought on Marty today. Uh, he does a lot of analytics stuff, and you can find him. Marty, what's your what's your Twitter handle? At Dr. Marty Lawrence, but for some reason when I made it, the last E is a one, so just, just know that. So you can find him there and on Reddit and on Discord. Join the Discord if you aren't a member already. He does a lot of cool numbers stuff, um, some of which I understand. Um, what 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 have you been working on this offseason? What do you want to talk about today, Marty? I think, you know, I like working with recruiting data a lot. I think there's a lot of people who do um, really cool stuff in, in college football analytics, but um, I've mainly focused on recruiting. And, you know, we can talk about a couple things. Um you know, we can talk about just my general over thoughts on how I think, you know, recruiting rankings are produced, whether you can change them, what influences them. Um, Cause I think there's a lot of really bad message board misconceptions about that. Um, and then we can also talk about, um, you know, where, where are potential biases in, in recruiting rankings and where should you care versus where you should not care. Um, we can talk about, you know, I've worked a lot on this uh, assessing recruiting rankings using draft value. So um, setting kind of a benchmark for how good you think a recruit should get drafted based on how good they were ranked. And that's a nice metric for seeing either bad rankings or bad development. Um, and so I think there's some cool stuff with the Florida data that falls out of that. And it can be fun to look at. Can we talk about some of the message board stuff, like how message boards have some ill-conceived notions. I basically, I'm just here for you to prove me wrong. Cause I have a lot of preconceived notions and I'd like to, uh, to see which of those are right. And yeah, those are crazy. Yeah. So when, you know, when you talk about, you know, and you see it on, on Twitter, you see it on the message boards a lot. 
Um, you, you'll see a coach labeled as, oh, this guy's a recruiter. Um, and, you know, to me, coaches don't matter. Coaches at the end of the day actually don't matter that much for recruiting. Um, you know, when you're actually talking about across all of P5, what determines your recruiting class score from, you know, a composite class score from 24-7, you know, the two biggest things are your location and your program prestige. And you can see this because FSU has been terrible and FSU has a floor. All of these major programs have a floor they're going to recruit at and they have a ceiling they can recruit at. And a lot of that, what you see is recruits don't really like to go in the Southeast further than 250 miles from home. And you look at where are the hotbeds of the highest rated recruits. Guess what? They're all near three campuses. They're all near Alabama. They're all near Clemson. They're all near Athens. You know, about 30% of recruiting is just from where are the recruits. Um, Florida isn't the best recruiting hotbed. You know, Gainesville's surprisingly far from, you know, we don't have the highest density of blue chip prospects in our when you when you say Florida, you talk in the university or the state? Yeah, both. I think I think, you know, we produce good recruits. Um, Florida does as a state, and then you look at the university, and we don't actually have this high concentration of, of blue chip blue chips, at least not at the density that you see, you know, around that 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 Tuscaloosa to um, to uh, Clemson, you know, that line in there, that is an uber talented or at least highly rated line of recruits. And we can talk about potential biases uh, in that. So, you know, you look at just 30% comes from just where the recruits are and they want to stay close to home. So that's going to, that's going to kind of dictate, you know, your base recruiting level. And then you look at program prestige, how much have you won in the past? How much brand recognition do you have? How much money do you make? And, you know, you're really starting to get at most of recruiting just comes from those two things. They don't really care about how much you're winning on the field. Um, you know, if, if you like thinking in engineering terms, there's long wavelength and short wavelength. And so long wavelength basically is going to dictate your recruiting baseline. And that's going to be location and prestige. And then your coach, who's your head coach, you know, is going to be basically high frequency on top of that and, and might push you into that next level. Um, and so I'm not saying recruiting isn't important. I'm not saying we haven't seen guys who haven't recruited at championship level at Florida. Um, but I, I, I think we kind of overestimate since we had Urban Meyer here, how important a coach is to that. Um, I do think it, you know, it can get you some important 30, you know, 30 points of recruiting, which isn't nothing, but in the grand scheme of things across P5, it, it's not the biggest influence. And then when you look at things like position coaches, to me, those don't matter at all. So, you know, everybody will get excited. You know, we're getting rid of our worst recruiter. We're bringing in the best recruiter. And at the end of the day, we're going to have pretty much the same exact recruiting class score. Um, they don't change that much over any head coach's tenure. Um, and I think a lot of the small variation we do see in class scores probably has to do with what we see our recruiting peers. So the guys we're competing against. Um, FSU in Miami, when you have a coaching change, if they're both in a transition class, guess what? We're going to have a good year that year. And, you know, I think we see that imprinted on, on recruiting class scores. So, you know, once you kind of take that attitude, a lot of the message board stuff loses, loses its big, uh, I don't know, you take a lot of exclamation points off of it, thinking about recruiting like that. And so, so I, that, I advocate more people to think about it like that. 
I'm gonna hop in here for a second. There's a ton of info there, first of all, and, and knowing knowing myself and my own my own uh, biases that I have regarding a lot of this stuff, I um I had a few, I I can't probably won't even remember them all. I had a few things. I'm like, what? No, that's bullshit. It's just my natural tendency, and I'm sure that the uh, the data supports supports it. But there's also I think you had even mentioned this. Um, some of these things bias has to kick in a good bit, like. Yeah, it's pretty obvious that program prestige is going to be huge. Like recruits are going to want to play for the best teams. That's really straightforward. Big money teams, big names, big traditions, big uh, publicity, everything like that. That's obvious. Um, but they also there's the flip side where they're probably going to be bumped a bit more when they go to those big teams. That comes with that publicity. Um, the same thing with uh, the ranking services. They're, they're probably more interested in covering the the recruits that are going to these big name teams um same deal with location too uh recruiting services every single one of them is based on the east coast um all in fact i think 247 and rivals i know both of those are started by the same dude and he's from kind of that georgia tennessee area to be fair uh, to be fair on that front west coast kids paper soft but yeah, they are. So, yeah, Char- Charmin's off. They're they're trash. I mean, obviously, yeah. I think I think we could all agree on that. Um, but I do I do think that these services are still biased towards not just the East Coast, but I'm talking the Southeast. I think the recruiting services can be biased towards that region a good bit at times, especially because you have the big name schools recruiting in their area. And uh, what you brought up with the 250 mile thing that's a, it's a very good point. Um, I don't remember the exact number, but I know I've seen it before on the boards. Uh, the staff, I think they do prioritize a certain, I want to say, I don't remember if it's 200 miles or 250 miles, but there's there's a certain diameter radius or whatever. They draw a line and they draw a circle and they're like, okay, this is our like main area. And they have each, they have coaches in different spots that they go to. Uh, and that's kind of their key grounds. Uh, so, I mean, we do that. I'm sure pretty much most teams do that. That's sort of just. I don't know. That's just smart recruiting right there. Yes. And, and, and so you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like you can map out, so you can come up with different metrics to evaluate how good the recruiting ranking recruiting services are doing at evaluating prospects. And so you can look at, um, you know, basically what percentage of blue chips are coming from an area versus what percent of NFL players come from that area. And we wouldn't expect those numbers to be drastically different but what you see if you do something simple like that is the recruiting services are, are overestimating how much talent comes from the southeastern United States and then Texas and California. And it kind of makes sense. Those are, you know, there's a lot of resources. High school football is a big priority. It's where the services are based. Um, and you can, show, you can show the, the positive correlation there, too. Like not, not to interrupt or anything, but I mean, you can, if you, if you just throw a bunch of blue chips in that region, chances are you're going to hit on some and you can show, Hey, look, I got, a, I got this guy, right. He's a blue chip and look, he got drafted. High. Yeah. And, and so those areas do make more football talent. So, you know, a lot of NFL players come from those areas, but we also have a pretty good idea of how much NFL talent comes from there. And then the recruiting services overestimate on that. Um, so it's interesting. You can catch little biases there. They overestimate, you know, recruits from cities versus small towns. Um, but it just makes sense. It's harder to scout. Those areas are poor. Those kids might have a tougher time getting to camps to getting in front, in front of the, you know, the guys from rivals. So that's, that's one way they mess up. 
Um, another thing they do is, you know, there's feedbacks. So I think one thing that we see that's happened with Georgia is actually when Clemson got good, it made Georgia's recruiting classes better. And that's just due to the, the little footprint of Clemson and the little footprint of Alabama. When those two became the best teams, any guys who had offers from both of those uh, and chose a different school, that other school was going to get ranked really highly. And what happens is those footprints overlap right around Athens. So you had a lot of guys who are basically local to Georgia who all of a sudden are looking like they're you know, dissing the number one, number two programs in the country to go to their hometown school. That hometown school must be you know, amazing and this recruit must be awesome. So we know that some of these services are based their ratings are based almost everything on offers. And so that drives the recruiting ranking up for recruits like that. And so you can get overrated guys. Um, so we do see and that so- a little bit. Uh, you, you look at the proportion of, you know, five stars that are supposed to be from the state of Georgia, and it's just absurd. And it's like, we know not that much football talent comes from there. We have a good idea what it is, and we know it's not that. So, um, you know, Georgia's, I hate, Georgia's recruiting. I hate to do this. But uh, the the recruiting services, I just will point out in their defense, they do claim they do not base their ratings on offers. Now, I I think that's complete bullshit. But I know that two four seven has come out and had their people say that multiple times. Yeah, and I think two four seven probably does a, a better job than the other ones. But you know, some of the other ones I think are are mainly offer based, and and it's tough when you look at the composite. Then you know they're driving it you know two thirds of the way there. So. And something yeah. that's interesting on that front, too, is that because offers are self-reported, um, I heard Bud Elliott talk about this a little bit recently, that there are a lot of offers that are reported by kids that not only are they not committable, but there are a lot that are just false. And there are actually high schools that um, will generate fake offers for their players in an attempt to get more attention from from other programs that they might be able to get those kids into. Um, and so with 247, yeah, they probably have the resources to run out those ground balls and, and figure out, are these offers real or are they not? But yeah, with like rivals and I, I don't, does ESPN even like pretend to have recruiting rankings at this point? They're part of the composite, but no, they don't, they don't even bother. Yeah. So, I mean, like they, they don't have the staff to be able to differentiate or, or even scout these kids at all. Really? Um, so if they're going purely on offers and offers are self-reported, then yeah, it, you get a lot of Bruce Judson's guys like that <laughs> with, uh, oh, that's, that's bringing back a name dubious offers. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think just one of the, my, you know, my main things, you know, when we talk about recruiting is it's probably not going to change under Dan Mullen. It's going to be what it is. We'll have some small variation in my mind, we're we're right there on the cusp of potentially being championship caliber. I do think we have the coaching that, you know, if the stars align, if we had a defense last year, we're a championship caliber team. Um, you know, obviously, I made some some bad calls trying to read those tea leaves, uh, but defended Grantham way too long. But you know, you you look at it, we're kind of on that threshold of you know, we got the good blue chip ratio. We're bringing in classes with just you know, the right amount of average talent. The problem is Dan Mullen hasn't brought in that single class that I, I look forward at about 285, 
that once you get there, you know, most teams that get one of those win a championship. And we, we haven't gotten that, but we're really close. Who knows? Maybe the playoff will make it easier. Maybe it'll make it harder. I don't know. And that 285 you're referring to, that's the composite score for 247, the team, the total team score. Yeah, that's for anybody a, who... a single rec- recruiting class, about 285. And, you know, then you can have that small wiggle room to either side. Um, and, and it seems to usually work out in your favor. Um, it's, it's not a guarantee. You know, some programs like UGA have been recruiting at that level for a while and aren't even winning their conference. So, you know, it's not a hard and fast rule, but it, it is something I like to see. Yeah. And, uh, to, to bring up, um, another point that you had mentioned earlier, you'd talked about assistant coaches not mattering for recruiting. And, uh, I mean, on, on a personal relationship, when you're, when you're talking to players, they do matter. Like that, that's important to build the relationships. And sometimes players do have a relationship with the coaches. So yeah, that's going to help you with maybe the one-off guy here and there. Uh, but I would, I tend to agree with the overall concept that the program and head coach are going to be more important. Just the direction of your recruiting, how, um, how the coach treats it and his whole process, because Mullen's process is going to be completely different from Saban's and uh, some work different ways. And as you can see in the, in the the numbers results but that being said i'm i am a big proponent of um if you're going to get pissed at an assistant coach for poor recruiting uh focus less on oh are they bringing in like what number guys are they bringing in focus more on the quantity of players and how those players perform later on are they filling their numbers uh, Greg Knox, I was getting really worried about because he wasn't getting running backs and he finally got some guys in the portal. So he had that sort of lined up. We'll see if he lands running backs this year, if he can. Um, John Hevesy, horrible recruiter. I mean, you can be a bad recruiter. That's, that is a thing. Like he sucks at it. He can't connect with players and he, he's kind of abrasive and he turns them away uh, just by his personality. That happens. But uh, if he's landing guys that work in a system, and if he's getting the numbers each year, and if he gets to a point where he's just developing a consistently good offensive line, it doesn't really matter. So, uh, I guess I guess all that to say, you don't fire, you don't you don't uh, do the fan firing of an assistant coach who's underperforming in recruiting. You do the fan firing of a coach who sucks at everything, like Ron English. Well said, um, Marty. What what is DVOE? What what is that? Yeah, so that that's acronym. That's some uh, a fun little metric I worked up. It's it's draft value over expected. So you know, basically, if you match, so during the draft, um, you know, draft picks are not worth the same, and they get traded around. And uh, there are different values can you can assign to different picks in the NFL draft. So the first pick uh, is worth X amount, and the last pick is worth less than that. Um. And, you know, people have worked this up by how good the number one pick produces in the NFL. And one thing you can do is you can tie that back to their high school recruiting ranks. And you can see some some pretty interesting trends. And it does give you some ideas that the recruiting rankings are pretty good. So, you know, a first round, a first high school rank number one guy is odds on he's going to get drafted, you know, in the third round or higher. Um, versus by the time you're out of the blue chips, you know, the odds are you're not going to get drafted. So you can set expectations for the the future draft uh, value of players based on their high school recruiting rankings. 
And then you can take that and you can look at what are the trends in that. Like, so what football, what recruiting classes lived up to the hype in terms of draft value? So for Florida, you know, we've had, you know, a few schools produce a lot of draft value. So the 2013 recruiting class, a lot of those guys got drafted and they got drafted way higher than you would expect from their you know, high school recruit rankings. So that gives you a high draft value over expected. Same with our 2017 class. Um, so I've looked at that for recruiting classes from 2010 to 2017. Uh, and there's some, there's some interesting stuff that falls out, you know, for the most champ, much champs classes were terrible. Um, and it makes sense. Those guys got terrible development, uh, while I was here. They also might've been overrated. Uh, it's tough to tease those two things out. Whereas McIlwain's didn't produce as much draft value, but they weren't expected to produce as much, uh, just cause they were lower rated recruiting classes. And then you look at, you know, the 2017 class. You know, they produced the third highest amount of draft value from Florida, um, but they did it with a pretty low expected draft value. So that says, hey, maybe we're good at finding diamonds in the rough. Maybe the services are underranking us, or maybe we're extremely good at player development. So there's some some interesting stuff you can tease out there. Um, you can, And, you know, you can see the state trends show up with overrated recruits from California and Texas, especially. Um you know, you can see which coaches are good at development, which ones are bad. Um, the Texas coaches mainly look bad. The coach, you know, Alabama and Ohio State, they've done a great job at development and recruiting. So there's there's fun stuff like that. Um, can you take a guess at our three worst guys? So basically what recruits didn't live up to their potential, their high school ranking, uh, and, and either had low draft value or went undrafted. So I got I got the top ten worst DVOE guys in front of me right now. Martez Ivy, Mar- yeah, Martez Ivy and CC Jefferson both. Did they even get drafted? Yeah, yeah, they're they're two and three. Okay, number one's got to be who am I thinking of? Oh, uh, Ronald Powell. Yeah, it's it's Ronald Powell, and he did get drafted, um, but it was pretty late. And essentially, by late in the draft, there's no more draft value. So it ends up beating out uh, Ivy. But it's Powell, Ivy, Humphreys, who you know has had a great career, and basically it just was bad draft evaluation. Um, you know, Clayton's on there, Driscoll's on there. Um, you know, Kelvin Taylor, guys like that. And then some of our best ones are Dante Fowler. You know, had a really high high school ranking, but, you know, got picked super high. C.J. Henderson, Keanu Neal, Tony, Jared Davis, Vernon Hargraves, um, Taven Bryan. So, like, you know, it's pretty intuitive. Uh, It generally makes sense. Um, But it's just a fun little metric. I'm working on making it a little bit better, getting a little better tie between draft picks and high school rankings. But it's kind of tough to do because, you know, thousands of guys get ranked and, a lot of guys actually yeah. get the drafts pretty big too. I know I've talked to, the, to you about this before too, but it would be really fun to um, once you get that to a good point, trying to see if um, I, I guess it would be more of an analyzer, but sort of combining that and finding a way to see if we could just develop an algorithm to create our own random set of rankings, just based on some very tangible facts and see if we could perform just with a computer 
as well as these ranking services, which are supposedly, you know, going out and watching film and all that other stuff that they claim to do. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be really interesting. So, you know, it's something I, you know, I'm, I'm actively working on in draft value. So you, you look at three metrics to train a model on. So like, Hey, predict how good this recruit is going to be in draft value, future draft value. Uh, opponent-adjusted college stats. So you want guys that are going to produce in college. Um, and then you want them to be on winning teams, right? So you want to make sure that if you say this guy is a good recruit, he and you have a bunch of good recruits on the same team, they end up winning. So you train a model on those. And you know, with how I like to do these models, you can basically throw as many inputs as you want at one of these machine learning algorithms, and they'll spit out an estimated ranking. So that's ultimately what we're building towards um, is our own independent rankings. And hopefully it'll perform better. You know, we'll train it to perform better in, in these metrics of draft value, college stats and winning percentages than guys who are just looking at film and looking at offers. Um, so we'll see, you know, it's a fun project, uh, but it takes, you know, it's a lot, of, it's a lot of data cleanup and input and scraping of web pages. I imagine it would be a challenge too, because like, I feel like there wouldn't be enough. Well, I, I'm completely talking out of my ass here, but it feels like the sort of thing where it's a struggle to get enough meaningful inputs to produce like meaningful outputs. If that, if that is a, a sensical it's, way of phrasing that. It's gotta be tough to get really good data too. Like, like you'd mentioned before with, um, with offers, it's hard to to know what's what do you trust as an actual offer. Uh, the same thing goes for. I mean, I think a big factor in offers, and I, I don't even know if you've mentioned this, Marty. I know you've said it before, though. Is um, size, height, weight. Um, a six foot six, three hundred pound offensive tackle uh, is going to have a better ranking than a, an equivalent six foot two offensive tackle. It's just that's kind of a big thing they look at. But you can't really trust the heights and weights that they have either. You don't know what's real or what's not until you kind of get verified measurements. So if you could get that all accurate, which I do think some of these services have on their end, they just kind of hide it. Uh, it I, I, I do think it would be very clear cut how it would be very simple to to get a, uh, a, a nice prediction of not only quality players for college teams, but also just who's going to be, you know, big time NFL draft pick. Yeah. And I mean, you play around with it and all you can do is work with the data that's out there, but there is actually, there's a lot of inputs you can throw at it. Like, you know, you can throw hometown, you can throw position height, weight, you can throw all the offers at it. You can, you know, throw high school stats. You can, you know, throw, you can throw the other recruiting rankings or the other recruiting services. You can throw those rankings into it. Can you throw uh, how many gator emojis get tweeted at the person? I mean, honestly, you can you can scrape people's Twitter and get <laughs> they might have their GPA listed on it, right? It, it's probably a good sign if a highly rated recruit has a GPA listed in their Twitter bio, right? You can do stuff like that. Um, and what's great about these machine learning algorithms is they're pretty smart. They figure out the optimum path, like you know, okay, for an offensive tackle, it seems like it correlates best with you know, future draftability, college production, all that, if you have these factors line up. And it'll do that analysis for you rather than you trying to read the tea leaves. Um, I think one interesting thing that I've seen is is there's when you talk about height and weight, 
is I think recruiting services probably miss development um, in terms of changing bodies. They tend to overrate players who are just older. Um, so this is called the relative age effect or relative age bias. And basically not everybody is the same age in a recruiting class. You know, you think everybody's the same age, but some guys have skipped a grade. Some guys have missed a grade and been held back. Actually, a lot of them. Some of them are born at the beginning of the academic year. So they're born in August and September. And way less guys are who are rated as blue chips are born in May. And, you know, it's not like those guys have worse football talent. They're just smaller when, you know, it comes time to evaluate them. And who knows, in a high school weight room, they might take off. You know, they've got more development potential. So I, I think it's fun stuff like that um, to look at and try and leverage to, to make better ratings. And, you know, it'll be a fun project. It'll be interesting to see what comes out. I would like to see someone compile uh, preferred chicken, fast food chicken sandwich, um, like Popeye's versus McDonald's versus uh, Chick-fil-A versus you know, whoever, like all, all of the fast food places, they all have one now. I'd like to see how that correlates to college. With which chicken is the most effective, uh, right. For just college production. Yeah. Maybe it, maybe it depends, depends on position too. Like an offensive lineman, you might need a uh, Popeye's versus, well, I guess offensive linemen, they're more like the corn, corn fed Midwestern boys. What's a Midwestern chicken chain. Do they even have any they chicken they up do. there? I, I mean like KFC, I guess. Yeah, I guess KFC is probably it. Yeah, because, I mean, Popeye's is defensive line for more sure. so than offensive line. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, that's a lock. Um, so, uh, speaking of predicted outcomes, uh, Marty, one of the things that you had mentioned you wanted to talk about, and, and we're going we're gonna to front load this with uh, Marty content because I think you've got a, a hard out here in, like, probably 10 or 15 minutes. Is that accurate? Yeah, I got I to gotta hop off here shortly. Okay. Um. So you mentioned wanting to talk about JT Daniels uh, and uh, Emory Jones. Um, where where do you want to go there? Yeah, I mean, we can talk about both. Um, I think, you know, thinking about, you know, these guys are going to be on the best teams in the SEC East and probably how they play is going to determine which one ends up as the champion. Um, you know, right now, Vegas likes JT Daniels a lot more and you know you go on Twitter and Bulldog fans just say you know nothing but good things about him and there are stats to like um I think my comments on 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 JT Daniels are his career stats you know aren't you know that great and so really you've got a four game sample size from from UGA and a lot of his metrics are explosive based so um when you look at how, how good an offense is, are they getting a lot of consistent plays? That's efficiency. Or are they getting big plays? That's explosive plays. And JT Daniels doesn't measure that great in efficiency, but his explosive plays have been, you know, really good, pretty elite. And when you look at what correlates from one year to a, another, efficiency correlates much better than explosiveness. So, if JT Daniels can reproduce it, I'm not saying he won't, um, but I'm just saying it's less likely than if he had high efficiency stats. So that's that's my issue with JT Daniels. He's not the Heisman lock that, that Bulldog Twitter seems to like him as. Um, I think he could be pretty good. I see him more in the Jake Fromm vein, 
um, than I see him as Joe Burrow. But I was also famously wrong about Joe Burrow. So, um, and way off on him. And I, so I, I could see him getting to like Heisman candidate caliber type of play. I could see that. Um, I don't, that's not what my prediction would be, but I do think he's going to be better than any of the quarterbacks that they've had at Georgia to this point in the, the Kirby smart era. I think he's going to be better than from, um, but you know, that's also predicated upon, uh, if they are willing to actually turn over the offense to Munkin and run something more modern than what they were running with from. At the end of the day, all I can go back to is uh, Kirby has never had a had a successful dominant quarterback, and um, in the same way that Muschamp did it, he just always seems to kind of get in the way of things, one way or the other. Whether that's you know driving off quarterbacks who are very good, or just preventing them from being their best self, so I have full confidence that Kirby will take care of things for us. Yeah, and then when it comes to EJ, uh, Emory Jones, I am not on the Emory Jones bandwagon. I don't think we have a good beat on who Emory Jones is at quarterback. Um, you know, he's been pretty up and down, and I, I don't think he's ever put up a year where you can say, hey, that gives me a lot of confidence. Um, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting. If he can come in and pass pretty good and run at an elite level, I think we'll have a solid offense. But, you know, we're losing a lot of production at wide receiver, and I think it's going to be tough to have a good passing game next year. Um, I think our offense is going to take a pretty significant step back. And, yeah, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see. I would agree. Um, is it safe to say that all three of us are of the opinion that Anthony Richardson is going to be the more productive between him and Emory Jones? Is safe that- to say for me. I've been on that bandwagon for a while, personally. Maybe not this year, but in the long run. I I have no idea. You know, I'll take who's ever better. Um, and I think we're going to see EJ first. And I also don't think he has as long of a leash as, you know, you might hear some people mention on, you know, Discord or other podcasts. I don't think we're going to see Emory Jones out there if he's struggling. I think he'll get pulled. I'm with you. I don't think Dan Mullen's going to go throw out a bad option if he has other good options. Now, when he first got here, he only had Felipe Franks at the time, and um, that's what he had. Now, we found out later on he had Kyle Trask, so maybe maybe that is bullshit right there. But Dan Mullen does have a, a proven more than a decade of just putting out, pumping out solid quarterbacks. Even if they're not good, he makes them look good. So I do think he's going to put somebody in a position to do well. And I, I agree. I don't think I don't think Emory Jones has a huge leash either. I think that the word needs to be out that he has a huge leash. I think that all the beat writers uh, will need to continue saying it, and I think that Mullen and Co. will continue making that the case because obviously you don't want the guy to leave before the season, uh, thinking, "Oh man, I'm on this short leash already with this you know freshman behind me." Um, that's no bueno. So. That, that would be rough because even if I want AR starting, I don't want him coming in for the first game, Emory transferring out. And then if God forbid he gets injured, you're stuck with a true freshman who's not even close to ready. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, yeah, I would agree with all of that. Just hopping back to JT Daniels for a quick second. Let's go on record with some superlatives here. Uh, is JT Daniels the best quarterback uh, in the SEC in 2020? One, 2021, not 2020. That was last year. I think that's pretty unlikely. You know, I think, honestly, you got to, it's got to be Bryce Young until proven otherwise. Um, Maybe Matt Corral even. We'll see. Yeah, I would say he's probably not going to be the best. Will he be the highest drafted SEC quarterback in next year's draft class? I haven't seen anything in JT Daniels stats to to say that the NFL will will really like him. He just has never put up the efficiency numbers that that they seem to like a lot. Um yeah, and, and you know, you kind of actually you can even look at like and it's tough to know how much of last year when JT Daniels came back and that offense looked better. I think a lot of that was just George Pickens being back. They didn't have him. Guy comes in, you know, all of a sudden they're getting He's getting 100-yard games, almost did it in three of his five games that he played in. Um, yeah, I mean, he was basically their offense when he came back, and he's out. You he's know? hurt, yeah. So I, I, don't, I just don't see JT Daniels dominating and being that that lock highest-drafted SEC quarterback. I might be wrong, but right now the stats just don't don't pull me that in that direction. I think he will be. I think he'll be drafted I think the regardless of what it looks like on the field, I feel like there's going to be some hype behind him going into into the draft. Um, I don't know. I could be wrong. I was I was really wrong about the Felipe Franks hype from NFL types. Um, so this, you know, I might be way off on this one too. Um, okay, so we've only got five minutes with you, Marty. Uh, we're we're gonna do a quick dip into Culture Corner. What have you been consuming on the uh, entertainment front? And do you have anything that you would recommend to the listeners? Uh, I just started the book series um, that uh, the Amazon, that the expanse is based on. Um, and that's been really good. Yeah. I've been on a, a, a sci-fi book kick lately and yeah, I'm really enjoying that one. Um, yeah. And then, Let's see what shows been going back and rewatching Star Trek, the next generation and first two seasons are terrible, but finally got Ms. Marty to season three and you know, we're liking it. Um, I have not gone through that as an adult. Like I watched all of the reruns when I was a kid. What, what streaming service is that on? It's on Netflix. Um, and you know, it's so hit or miss. Some episodes are, are just as good as I remembered, and some are so bad. Luckily, we watch it pretty casually, like just putting it on, you know, in the background and stuff. Um, oh, also, we've been, you know, actually really enjoying all of the guest hosts on Jeopardy. Uh, that's been, yeah, that's probably been our jam. Nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. That is some Caucasian shit right there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah. That's that's been our big culture corner. Um, cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, what 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 do you want to plug? Uh, not much. Just don't freak out about recruiting. Guess what? Our class is probably going to end up just like it did last year, and it's probably okay enough for us to do fine in the playoff, but maybe not win. 
yeah, th- those are my takeaways. And enjoy college football because you don't get it all year, and it's not worth getting super mad about. Well yeah, said. I mean, okay, yeah, well, yeah, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Hey, this is Topher Gator. We had a little bit of an audio oopsie doopsie, and we lost the final thirty seconds or so of Marty's audio recording. Uh, but it was a very heartfelt goodbye. And uh, I've linked his Twitter account in the comments. So go check that out. He puts out cool stuff pretty much every day. Um, And yeah, we thank him for joining us. Let's get back to the show. (laughs) Oh, thank God he's gone. I'm so sick of numbers. Jesus Christ. All that matters. All that matters is the coaching. I want want the rough. I want the trenches. That's all that really matters. I don't need any of that number shit. Hell yeah. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I guess we can talk about recruiting on, uh, the Florida specific front. Um, yeah, let's do that a little. We can go, yeah. we can go light on that. Um, again, I, I love the, the broad overviews and Marty actually left with a really good note that, um, at the end of the day, our recruiting is probably going to be the same. It has been, mm-hmm. um, if any of you have been paying attention or if you've been listening to me at all, uh, you know, my stance on this, but it bears it is worth repeating. Um, yes, we are going to recruit the exact same. We have been the entire time. Dan Mullen recruits one way and that is how he's going to recruit. Uh, every single year we get way too excited or way too depressed. And it's just, I mean, it's fun to watch. Like to, it, it's fun for me to pay attention to players we could get, but it is not fun for me to watch this insane emotional roller coaster that people put themselves through for no damn reason. Just settle down and watch it happen. no, we are not going to land all these five stars. Yes, we are not going to have like a bottom the class outside the top 20. And as as we discussed last time we spoke, um, this is around the time of year when it starts to kick into gear. And I think we've seen that over the past month. Um, yeah. it, we've seen visitors on campus for the first time in over a year. Um, and we've we've had three commits since the last time we spoke. Uh, Julian Humphrey, who is a defensive back, um, is he a corner? Uh, yeah, he's he's a corner, but it's hard to tell with our staff too. Right, sure. Um, Shamar James, who was uh, big time linebacker, yeah, big time uh, middle linebacker, inside linebacker, if you want to be technical here, and uh, from Alabama, and I think he's ranked. I think both those guys are ranked top. 150 or top 100 it's right in that yeah right in that ballpark i don't have it pulled up those might be our two highest ranked recruits in the class at this point probably so um, i'd have to pull it up too and cj smith who is a like borderline high three star low four star uh receiver correct yeah one of the one of the fastest guys in the country and he has uh equivalent stats to a guy named arian smith who was ranked I don't know. I think I think two four seven gave him a ninety seven grade for committing to Georgia. Uh, CJ Smith uh, plays a similar competition, has very similar stats, uh, is actually bigger. I think he might be faster, or he's just as fast. He's right in that ballpark, and he's ranked like an eighty eight by two four seven. So you know, one of those cases where take the ratings with a grain of salt in this instance. Uh, he's he's a very good pickup. Yeah, uh, I watched a little bit of the tape on him. Um, he is fast as shit. It's nice. I mean, I want the speed. I don't know if he's, um, 
I don't know if he's as shifty as uh, some other guys that I've seen. But yeah, seems like probably uh, a straight line situation at this point. But he's probably also raw um, as far as football development. I'll still take it, though. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, all, all these people talking about, um, I, mean, I know people are very excited, like, you know, oh, Mullen's changed his ways, or he's like recruiting differently, putting more effort in, the assistant coaches are doing better. Uh, Nick Evers, our quarterback commit, he actually is. He's he's doing a good job of recruiting. They're recruiting like a big family, you know, and they're like, they're actually friends, and um, having having a Pied Piper quarterback is a big deal. T- Tim Tebow did that back in the day. And all that said, we're still not going to get all these guys. Everybody that thinks that we're going to get, yeah, it's just not going to happen. So. I, I feel I feel better about this class where we are right now than I have sure. at this point uh, under Mullen so far. I, I feel like we're especially in a good spot. because I think I think last year might have been our worst year numbers wise. So this year I think might be kind of a flip side. Like we might be at the top end of what Mullen can do this year. Yeah, um, if all goes according to plan. A, a narrative that I've seen recently that kind of irritates me because I feel like I see it every single year is this idea that like, Oh, it's different this year. I mean, like in the past, we haven't even gotten interest from the big names, the big national names, the big like five-star recruits. And now look at the, they're all visiting. Am I taking crazy pills or do we not see those guys visit like every year? It happens every time. I don't understand where people are coming from with this. Like they just make shit up in their head and they just start saying, I don't know where it comes from. Honestly, I, I think they think it, I don't, I don't know though. I don't know. Like if that's some weird bias that people naturally have, but all these five stars, the ones in the Southeast, guess what? They've all visited Florida before. Like that's just kind of pretty standard. It, it is, it is very rare to not have a big name that's in the region that has the Florida offer not come through at least once. Maybe we're hearing about it more now. Maybe we're just like, oh, we didn't get any visitors last year. So we're like, oh, magically everybody's right. visiting now. Yeah. Well, yeah, they couldn't visit last I guess, year. Yeah, I guess technically technically that is accurate comparing this year to last year. <laughs> if, if, if you're saying, oh, wow, we've had more visitors in the past month than we have in the entire past year. Yes, that's that's true. That's very true. right, which is the best um, kind of right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but, but no, you're right. I mean, we've, we've had all the big names come through before. Uh, maybe we're more excited about being able to land them now. I'm not too sure. Um, but this is, it, it might be slightly better at this point. Like you might have, I don't know how many, there's 35 stars. Maybe we've had like two or three extras come through. I don't know the numbers. I haven't looked at them, but I do know that these big names always come through at different points. It's just, it happens. I think I think maybe that's it. Maybe it's just it's all piling into this one period, so it seems like a bigger deal. Like more of them are happening, whereas if you spread it out over time, and if they're coming their sophomore year or their junior year, you don't notice as much. Yeah, maybe I that's suppose. It. Yeah, people are taking crazy pills. Yeah. You're not the one taking crazy pills. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I am, but that's that's a different yeah, story. But not, not not in this instance uh, regarding this particular thing, though. Um. Okay, so any anything else? Uh, what uh, Nolan Smith, big time five star defensive end? Walter Nolan. Walter Nolan is that what? Walter did I Nolan say? is a de- defensive tackle. Uh, Nolan Smith, I think, was a prior Nolan Smith, number yes. one ranked he was, guy yeah. who went to Georgia. And he was sucked the so far. was he the Ford Raptor guy? Yes, he I think was. He was uh, was yeah. it a Raptor? Yeah, it was a Raptor. It was a Raptor. Was a Raptor. Yeah. yeah, brand new Raptor. Yeah, yeah. Got it uh, delivered signing day morning. Yep. Uh, showed it off online. It was beautiful. Yeah, Walter Nolan is who I was talking about uh, from West Tennessee. Um, you know, kind of sort of hinted that we were the leader 
maybe, but also maybe not. I have not felt particularly positive about it. It's, I would be very surprised if he ends up being a Gator long-term. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. It's one of those things too, where like when they, when they get that kind of excitement, you better land them quickly. Um, and the longer it goes out, the worse it gets. Uh, that said, I didn't feel very excited to begin with because he's a five-star defensive tackle that all the big programs want coming from Tennessee. How often do we get guys like that? Yeah. Just, just be real, like be real with yourself. Yeah. We get some five stars. Where are they from? Uh, Dexter from right outside of Gainesville, Jason Marshall, South Florida. It's yeah. just, you could maybe, rare. you could maybe like spin it as a, a positive. If he was from like Nashville area where there's a lot of transplants and nobody really like dominates yeah. recruiting, but like, West Tennessee, I mean, Oof. like that right, is, that's a tough area to grab from. Yeah. That is not an, that is an SEC mm. West territory yeah. or a bag territory, mm-hmm. and uh, ne- yes. neither of those things. Uh, we are not good at either of those. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I don't feel too excited about him. Yeah, uh, but I mean, hey, you know, it's nice to have the attention. I suppose it's nice to yeah, get those I'll matches on Tinder. Um, and who knows? Yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe he'll jump on board. I mean, he's got a, a pretty clear shot at a very early starting job um, or early part of the rotation. So that's not, that's not something that every school can offer. Yeah. Um, Hopping back a class uh, as far as the 2021 signing class, uh, where do we stand as far as people being enrolled? Everyone I think is either on campus or enrolled except for Tyreek Sapp, who is a top 100 player who many throughout the cycle mentioned that he might have some qualification stuff. Um, say he went to a high school that is not known for that. So, you know, you think he can turn it around. I still don't know the exact holdup. Uh, the team still expects him in from what I've seen, uh, maybe in the fall. I don't know exactly, but it is, um, it is interesting. I guess he yeah. was one of those guys who, who like checked every box on this guy's going to flip. Mm-hmm. And maybe now it makes a little more sense why I didn't flip away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we actually specifically, I recall talking shit about the possibility of him ending up in this class. He's, he, you know, oh, yeah, what? I was that, that makes me feel better about Nolan is that like this time last year, I was saying the exact same thing about sap after he was already re, uh, uh, in this recruiting class. Oh yeah, like my confidence in Nolan right now is probably equivalent to my confidence that we were going to hang on to Sap at this time last year. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And I was confident he was going to flip or not get in. Just something was going to happen. So, yeah, always interesting. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not in like panic mode. Well, I'm not going to be in panic mode with whether he ends up in the class or not. Regardless, but uh, I'm not there yet. We're still in June. Uh, you know, I don't. It's get, only June. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be that guy. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna freak out until July at the earliest. Yeah, and uh, I mean, not to get. I don't know. Not not to just keep keep hitting on the same point, but does it really matter that much? Like, yeah, we want the good players. We really do. That's important, and we need them to come in. We need the big defensive linemen coming in, but we're already not recruiting great. Like we don't get a ton of top 100 players. I guess this is, it's just, it doesn't really change my overall view that much. Yeah. yeah. I want the individual player. I really do. But 
this doesn't like make or break a class for me. It doesn't change my opinion of how Mullen recruits, whether he gets in or not. It's just, this is how we do things. So, yeah. All right. Uh, So there were some other big national news as far as college football. Um, There was a ruling from the Supreme court Monday um, about basically smacking down a pretty significant chunk of the NCAA uh, amateur model um, regarding what, what, how would you phrase it? I, 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 yeah, this is, this is one of those things that seemed like the NCAA was sort of testing the waters. Um, talk, yeah, I mean, am, the amateurism comes into play here big time, but I think it's more about uh, provide, I, I think this one was about providing like educational extras, like books and yeah. things, um, yeah. stuff related like that, where it wouldn't be considered like an illegal gift to the athletes or illegal, you know, um, bag if if we're going with a colloquial term there um this this seemed like a thing where the ncaa was just kind of like testing the waters and it completely backfired and they got completely slapped down uh which is hilarious i think everybody enjoys the ncaa getting slapped um i'm a little it's interesting because i want i i do think the players earn major money for the university and i think that they are treated horribly unfairly with uh, with how this goes you have athletic directors presidents coaches everybody's making millions off these guys and these guys aren't making a dime and then boom if you have a guy like um i'm trying to think of a good name here like justin fields for instance if he went out and like was dominating you know brings in all this money and then busts his knee up senior season doesn't get drafted like he gets nothing for all that work and all that revenue he generated he gets nothing and it's illegal for him to get anything outside of just a scholarship and i say just a scholarship people are like oh well that's important that's good yeah that's good but none of these guys are going for scholarships like that's that's not what they're there for. They're here, like guys go to Ohio State, guys go to Florida, guys go to Alabama to make it to the NFL. That is what ninety percent of those players are doing. Yeah. So the uh, the downside being that um, you know the NCAA does uh, it, it adds a lot of sports, it adds a lot of chances for smaller schools to compete, and I do worry that um, if you make it true true capitalism which obviously the the ruling if you looked at it they basically said this is not how america works but if you make it how america works without any intervention then you do run the risk of having smaller schools having to drop a number of programs if not their athletic department entirely or uh smaller sports like um will will swimming and track survive i don't know um so it's it's i guess that's a flip side and something that will come up down the line as uh, more and more of these lawsuits come. Cause this one's very focused on one thing. Uh, but I, I think it will lead to many more related to paying athletes. Yeah. The, uh, the with door N- with the NIL and all that other stuff. The door to that was kicked wide open uh, by the court's ruling. Um, Kavanaugh actually came out and said, quote, the NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America. Um, I mean, like it's, they basically came out and said, this is a gigantic mountain of bullshit. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely, definitely feels like a matter of time before, um, a lot of the way the amateurism model is set up gets struck down or dismantled or completely reorganized into something different, which yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's inevitable. Like it's, this is a very old system and a very old way of doing things. And, you know, I guess as the world changes, it, it has to change to, to keep up 
with with the realities of of the day. So yep, and all all the states are starting to you know have their own rules, so they're going to have to do something to figure out okay what's allowed, what's not. Can we can we put any restrictions on this? Right. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see that this will play out over the next few years. You know, maybe we'll find something out by the time the the twelve team playoff comes around. Yep. Which, you know, sounds like a long way off, but as I get older, time moves faster. And so 2026 or thereabouts is probably not that far off. Be here before you know it. And Georgia will still not have a national championship. No, certainly not. We're going for 50 years, baby. Oh, that'll be a great day. Okay, so uh, a couple other things. There are scandals breaking at Arizona State. They have some pretty serious... Uh, recruiting violations over uh, having kids on on campus during the dead period. Yeah, the Arizona State thing is interesting. A lot of fun stuff and supposedly a lot more coming too. There's way more under the hood than even has come out to this point. But this is like the fun type of scandal. You know, like the LSU one, that's a really sad, mm-hmm. depressing scandal. This is an exciting one. Yeah. Like they're paying recruits to come on unofficial visits and they're paying them to come to games. Like, that's badass and and clearly something that's going to be discovered. Like this is the dumbest pay for play thing I've ever seen in my life. Like I thought Ole Miss was dumb with the burner phones. This is beyond that. Like there was this is like a Ponzi scheme, uh, but one of those things where everybody knows it's happening too. So it's not just gonna like blow up eventually when you run out. Like you can't just keep like floating stuff. Like you're going to have people turning you in. And that's what happened. Parents, players, they're like, uh, you can't do that. And they started to turn them in. Uh, coaches who got fired. And um, yeah, good job, Herm. It you is really, very funny. You kept it exciting. This is this is almost, I guess like this makes sense in retrospect when you look at how Herm Edwards has kind of like carried himself uh, since he got hired there where like, you know, the, at the the opening press conference when he first got hired, like it was clear that this guy has no idea about like <laughs> college coaching. I mean, you know, this is a, a retired NFL guy who's been out of coaching altogether for like 15 years when they hired him. And uh, and man, it's just so funny to see that like immediately carry over into not giving a solitary fuck about the the rules on recruiting and this is what's great about sports this is what the greatest thing about sports is you play to win the game you play to win the game it really is just a hobby to him like it's like some dude just picked up a video game and thought you know what fuck it i'm just gonna go all out with like just cheat the system as much as possible you know whatever happens happens yeah yeah and uh, Arizona State gets fucked over because of it. But it is hilarious to, uh, obviously, non-ASU fans. I don't think we have too many ASU listeners. Probably so not. We're probably, we're probably okay making fun of them. Yeah. Man, yeah. They, they, I mean, if you go read through it all, it's it's uh, pretty crazy, just the, the things they did. It's stupid as hell, but fascinating, too. And I'm, I'm really hoping, like, more bigger stories come out, too. I think they will. They're They're just doing interviews now. So good stuff. Yeah. Um, also a scandal at Michigan regarding Bo Schembechler and potentially on, having... On the, far, on the side of far less fun scandals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's a bummer. It kind of seems like basically everyone until like five years ago was either molesting or covering up molestation in sports. 
And, yeah, like uh, like football programs existed to have like child molestation rings. It was, That's, yeah. Speaking of Ponzi schemes, it was just like a <laughs> Ponzi scheme for children to be molested or something. Is yeah, truly, truly despicable. Yeah, Man, not not great. Uh, kind of, you know, throw some throw some dirt some uh puts a bit of tarnish on the idea of you know like being a michigan man who does things the right way winning with integrity blah 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 maybe not so much yeah it it could be one of those things too where people say it in the future and then they just get absolutely roasted um yeah that that phrase might be killed off altogether did did bo come up with it the michigan man thing i don't know that that might have that may have predated him i mean like that okay that feels like it goes back to like that that could go back to like you know like pre war like like eighteen eighties like Roosevelt <laughs> when, era when football was you know when Harvard was a real team and yeah like Teddy Roosevelt came and yeah. gave a speech on campus and then like wrestled a bear or some shit <laughs> yeah he'd have been a fun football player to watch yeah um so yeah that's that's what's going on in the world of college football I think we yeah we I, hit the the high points there. I think so too. And uh, this one seems to be uh, getting plenty of coverage or enough, I guess. But th- this is just, it's one of those things like when you get into sexual assault, it's already a tough subject to cover. You got to be careful. But then the, when you bring in children into it, man, it's it's tough. It's tough to have any strong opinions until you kind of know what's going on because damn, these are some heavy accusations against a dead man. Yeah. And um, yeah. there's multiple people, I believe, that are accusing, a lot of people defending. It's it's very, it's just it's just horrible all around it's, to, yeah. to even be brought up, but especially if, if it turns out to be true in any capacity. It's a bad deal. Um, okay. Is there anything else before we move on well, to Culture Corner? I... I I feel like we need something lighter than that to go to Culture Corner, but maybe I don't know. Um, I, the, honestly, it's okay. Uh, well, it's the football off season. Uh, we got? Florida State lost a quarterback commit to West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, they sure did. They uh, they they flew a little close to the sun there. I think. Seems like they owe some of their uh, subreddit posters an apology, who turned out to be yeah, very very correct. It's very interesting because, I mean, I don't go to that subreddit frequently, but I do see people post uh, screenshots yeah. and, you know, links and things mm-hmm. like that. It's um, th- There are some people on there who uh, they, they the Florida State people have called them trolls, but they're calling it like they see it. I mean, honestly, it's a lot of things that I personally agree with and that I thought already. And I see these FSU fans saying it, but uh, they seem to be either covering it up, downvoting, um, you know, yeah. insulting the person. Every, everybody's a, everybody is a heretic until they turn out to be right. Truly, truly the case. And in this case, they were right, very right. And, um, you know, when you, you can't get to two top quarterbacks in a class, first of all. It's just it, it does not happen anymore. No. doesn't happen. Urban did it somehow, uh, but he sold his soul or something like that. But, yeah, it just doesn't really happen in recruiting. Um, I'm not sure if they except even for the Gators it. who brought in Del Rio and Kitna in the same class, and yes, the the elite Kitna, and uh, obviously soon to be Kyle Trask. Kitna. They're going to finish one and two in the Heisman in 2023. Yeah, probably. It's hard to argue that. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe do a little drive by on the FSU subreddit. Don't post. 
don't post, don't troll. No, but no, we cannot. We do not recommend going there just to downvote for, or to troll people. For drive-by entertainment purposes. Reading purposes, yeah. yes. It's, um, it's a fun time. It is. It is entertaining. Okay. All right. On to Culture Corner. Um, what have you been consuming? Uh, actually, the other day I watched Luca, the new Pixar movie. Oh, yeah. And I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It wasn't, um, I wouldn't put it in the pantheon of like the top five Pixar movies of all time, but it's, it's better than some of the ones that have come out recently too. And, uh, fun story. Uh, great. I mean, just, I'm not going to give anything away, but just great overall ending and, uh, what's the word? Arc story arc, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's just really, really, I thought they did a really good job. I enjoyed it. I have not seen that yet. Um, was that straight to Disney Plus? Yeah, it, it just came right out, and you didn't have to pay anything extra. It was really nice. nice. Like they're just like you know, you're paying for this service. Here, we're going to actually provide the service you pay for, rather than saying, "Oh, here, pay some more to watch a movie that we give you." I'll um, have to see if my cool. uh, stolen Disney Plus login from whichever family member I got that from is still active. It's been a minute yeah, since I looked at it. It's it's definitely worth checking out, especially if you have kids at all. Uh, I don't. And I still enjoyed it though. So take that for what it's worth. And then um, i trying to think what else I've been watching in general. Uh, okay. So oh, I've been listening to hardcore history. Uh, you, you got uh, me into the, the what's the, the Pacific war, the world war two stuff. I'm trying to remember what the name of it yeah, is. Uh, something in the East or something like that. That's going to bother me now, but it's uh, oh, supernova in the supernova east. Supernova in the east. That's it. Yeah. And uh, I'm actually on the part six of six, and have thoroughly uh, learned a lot and enjoyed it. Yeah that that is one of the original podcasts that I started listening to when I was like I don't know seventeen or eighteen. I mean, it's been probably like twelve or thirteen years ago now that I've been listening to that show and. Um, yeah, this I I enjoy when he covers not contemporary but stuff that has happened in modern times in the past like hundred and fifty ish years. Um, it's just way more well sourced, and it's yeah. it's always um, he does a really good job yeah, of bringing sure. it all together. Um, we had uh, I, I was going to pick a fight with you about yeah. um, the oh, latest yeah. uh, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda movie that just came out on HBO max. And I think, did they do a theatrical release for that too? They, they did the movie. I don't know if it's in theaters. I haven't even looked at theaters recently. Um, it's on Disney or is it Disney or is it HBO? Whatever it's HBO. on, it's on something. It's on HBO yeah, yeah, max. Yeah. You probably said that and I wasn't paying attention. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the Heights. Is that what it's called? It is in the Heights. Yes. I believe it won the Tony for best musical. Yeah. Um, because he, back when it came out, he wrote this before he wrote Hamilton. He wrote this like this 20 is, years this ago. This is where he hit it big. This yeah. is where he became a thing. Um, yeah. Um, pick a, pick the fight. What do you got? All right. Well, I'm not going to pick the fight because to be honest with you, I didn't realize that it came out. It was supposed to be coming out like in June. Um, I thought that I had some more runway here to talk shit about. It, and then people <laughs> would forget by the time it actually came out. Um, yeah. I just, I went to the theater a couple of weeks ago and saw uh, the new Quiet Place movie, which is excellent, by the way. 
Um, highly recommend. Yeah. I thought it was every bit as good as the first one. And personally, I think I enjoyed it more than the first. Got, I got to see it. Yeah. I'm still, it's on my list. It's pretty good. Um, but they played the preview for this movie and I just thought it looked like kind of a piece of shit, to be honest with you. Like <laughs> the, like the, it's, it's not just, I, I don't know. It's the, the cadence of the songs, at least the little snippets that I saw seemed so similar to the songs in Hamilton. Like it's, it's the same cadence and it's, it's always a rap about dreams and about other esoteric principles that nobody really knows what it means. You know, like it just, it's the same. I don't know. He definitely has his way of doing things. And yes, if, if, um, if you're familiar with Hamilton, um, you definitely would pick up on, okay, this song sounds the exact same. It happened quite a bit. And yeah, it, you can definitely, it, it's not like, like in Hamilton, I guess it had a lot of unique sounds to me because I hadn't really been exposed to much of his stuff before. But uh, this one, there were a few that I was like, okay, you know, that's, that's kind of his thing. He like, he likes to do this style of little riff or this, this type of rap and this type of rhyme. Um, so I did, I watched it. Have you seen it? I have not seen it. Uh, and, and you had reached out to me saying you were going to talk shit before I'd seen it. And I was like, let's go talk shit. I'll, I'll defend him to the end. Um, I thought it was good and I liked the music enough, but it, it was a good story. And like they, they sung well, I mean, they, you know, it was all, it was all well done for the most part. It's just, it, it was not groundbreaking to me, I guess. And it just wasn't that interesting to put it bluntly, I was kind of bored at the end. Hmm. So I liked it. Um, it was a movie that I would give like, I, I don't know what the rotten tomato score is to get like the positive tomato rather than like the actual rotten mm-hmm. one, but I'd give it enough to give it the positive tomato right? rather than a, Oh wow, this movie is excellent type of thing. Interesting. So uh, let's see what else, what else have I been watching? I've actually had time to watch some TV um, on nights and weekends a little bit recently. So um, I had never seen the Harry Potter movies. Oh, yeah. And so those got added to HBO Max for this month. And I have watched seven oh, wow. of the eight. You flew, flown through them. Yeah. I've, I've so wait, wait, what are your thoughts quick. then? Now, now I'm curious because I know you didn't like the books. Okay. So yeah, the books I'd, I read the first two and a half and it was like the same book three times in a row. So I just, yeah, that's fair. I gave up. Um, so the first one, the first movie, it, it feels so dated. I mean, it, it came out in 2001, but it just feels like it is so much older than the rest of the movies, which the second one came out like a year later and it just feels so much more modern. The, uh, special effects are so much better. It feels like the first one was almost made speculatively. Like they didn't know if it was going to be a hit and they didn't really know like where they wanted to take the characters in the context of the films. And then like over the next two movies, they really like filled in the characters and the series of movies like developed a personality, if you will, like they uh, uh, they developed a distinctive feel. And um, so the first movie is a tough watch. The first movie is a children's movie and it's about kids and it's just, I don't know. It, it was a tough watch. 
but then um, they've gotten progressively better. Um, I think my favorite to this point uh, was the third one, uh, The Prisoner of Azkaban. That was always my favorite book. I like that story the most, I think. Just that storyline with um, the uncle. Godfather, I guess. But yeah. Um, It is a surprisingly good film series. I regret (laughs) not having given it time until this point. uh, I'm sure you would have appreciated the books more too growing up if you were... um, into them reading right. them along along with the actual yeah. writing it's one of those very nostalgic things and the books do get better as you go i think i think her writing gets better too but not yeah, not much enough. um <laughs> the uh i guess the biggest difference honestly because you're still getting the story which i mean it's popular because of the story the biggest difference is i feel like they kind of dick over ron a bit in the movies they sort of they sort of um you know make him the the kind of the butt of the movie joke and uh, give mm-hmm. some of his more badass moments to Hermione to make her cooler. And that's sort of the overall series right there. So that's the only thing that's really different, I think, outside of, you know, I'm sure a couple storylines, but um, from a character perspective, at least. So I don't know. I don't know what your take is on those characters, but I would say that they definitely um, Hollywooded it up to make it be like, oh, Hermione and Harry are the badasses. And there you got Ron's just kind of there. Uh, ha ha, goofy Ron. There he is going again, doing Ron things. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I think that I think Harry himself is probably the least interesting of the characters. Um, His character comes across as like, it's like a Superman character. It's sort of the same thing as why I don't really like Superman, which is, you know, like this tremendously gifted individual who is so much more gifted than everyone else around him. It's just not really an interesting, like, And look, he's a good guy too. Shocker. Um, Right. Yeah. Like he's Mr. Benevolent. He's so humble and he's also like the best at everything that he does. And it's just like, eh, okay, sure. But Um, he struggled to kiss a girl one time. So, you know, (laughs) yeah. Right. Like, look, he's kind of awkward. He's, he's just like me. (laughs) We're the Um, same. Me and Harry. Yeah. Yeah. I can unironically see you having that exact viewpoint as like 12 year old, 12 year old yeah. having that exact world. Yeah. Deal. I'm just waiting for my letter still. Yeah. Uh, brother. Um, yeah, but it's good. I, I've enjoyed it. Um, and one other thing that I have really enjoyed is, uh, this series on Amazon called Clarkson's farm. Um, which is about Jeremy Clarkson, who's one of the guys from the original British Top Gear, and then it became the Grand Tour. Um, if you're into those shows at all, I definitely recommend this. And I would actually recommend this show to pretty much anyone because it really gives an interesting look at what it's like to be a farmer in Britain and um, like navigate all of the... like. There's very restrictive like governmental restrictions on what you can and can't do and um like environmental considerations and um and then like it's kind of compounded by covid and also some really strange weather patterns in britain over the last couple of years um and then i also i find clarkson's like befuddled boomer affect to be 
I've always been a fan of it. It's it's always been kind of funny to me. Um, so I really, really strongly recommend that uh, to anyone who has Amazon. It's a Prime. new one, like a reality farm show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. Okay. The other, uh, I think I saw, that's all. Actually, for me. I flew through another series recently. Last last real short one, Invincible. Have you seen it? No, it's on. I think Prime. Think so. I want to say. Have you seen The Boys? I'm aware of it, but no, I've never really watched right, well, both, it. Both of these are uh, kind of superhero-y, and uh, I think that they're just very interesting takes on all the recent superhero genre movies and uh, shows and stuff. And you, you might enjoy it, uh, but both both are incredibly violent. Uh, a lot of a lot of violence, and they show it. It's very graphic, but um, it's it's very unique. That's all I can say. I don't want to ruin it too much, so I'll just say that um, it is interesting. And if you enjoy spoofs of anything, if you enjoy dark stuff at all, and if you enjoy superhero stuff or any combination of that, you'd probably like this. Nice. That's um, all I got. Yeah. I'm sure there's other stuff that I've... Uh, yeah, there was something else I was going to mention, but I don't remember what it was. Um, we'll get it on yeah, the next one. yeah. Yeah, we got all the same coaches. We got players coming back. We got movies still around, so we'll be good. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. I guess we're going to wrap this up. Um, thank you for listening. Go on iTunes or whatever it's called, Apple Podcasts, um, and leave us a review. Or don't. I don't really care, to be Tough honest with making you. It clear, make a difference making in my it life. very clear he does not own an iPhone. Um yeah. It's true. My wife is a my wife is an Apple person. I'm still an Android person. Sometimes poverty is a you know the the split house or what a house divided with poverty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get you a little yeah. get you a little um, flag. Yeah, I'm too busy paying for her Apple devices to uh, have the time to migrate myself to Apple. Understood. Um. Okay. Thank you for listening. Go, Go Gators. Gators. Stop.
Cause it's up boys for moving on Ain't time the sun's gonna shine on me now